was gone. You need to be more positive. He said, I'm positive all hope was gone. He didn't say they didn't discourage him. All these things that come against us as believers, all these pressures that we have that non-believers don't have, the tightness, the narrowness, the burden. See, the problem with us is not that we don't believe. The problem is that we do believe. And with our belief comes expectation, and with our expectation comes discouragement. He did not say that these things did not wound him. Like loneliness, rejection of other apostles, and abandonment of friends. He did not say that these things did not humiliate him. Like the nakedness of being stripped naked publicly and mocked. He did not say they did not confuse him like the thorn in the flesh. Anger him like Alexander the coppersmith. Haunt him like his memories of being a murderer. Or make him want to quit. He did not say those things. He said, with all of these reactions... I have made the decision for none of them to move me. No one has ever been made to turn back. No Christian has ever been made to quit. It is a choice. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. He said, we are made partakers of Christ if we continue we are made partakers of Christ if we continue. I want to speak to you this morning on winning the battle against these things. These things where Paul said, none of them moved me. And would you pray for me this morning as I pray for myself? Father, I pray over the next few moments that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit. You and I both know, they know, the world knows that without your anointing, it's just line upon line, precept upon precept. That's why many churches have given over to entertainment to try to distract people from the lack of your presence. But Lord, I'm praying for you to be front and center. Let your word burn like a fire, like, be like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Let it be like a sword that cuts and divides asunder the soul and spirit and joints and marrow, exposing our heart. And let it be like an oil that pours into the deepest place of what we need. Speak to us this morning, I pray, Lord. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for your son's sake, that we might do what our brother prayed, that we might spread this message to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I find freedom in that, con and by the way, I'm going to preach this morning, I'm not teaching, I'm going to try, my purpose is to give you a B12 shot of spiritual adrenaline. We need it, trust me. The view from the stage lets you know we need it. That was a joke. Um, well, not really, but it was uh, insert, inserted for laughter purposes. The contrast of what he didn't say gives me hope. Because if he just said, I'm not discouraged, I don't get frustrated, I don't get confused when God didn't answer my prayer, I asked him thrice that this thorn in the flesh, the message of Satan that was sent to buffet me to be removed, and each time he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. He did not say, because see, had he said if he'd have said, I never feel this way, then I would have a disconnect from him and say, my experience has not been your experience. 
But his was one of perpetual opposition, going against the grain, abandonment, betrayal, where his, where his faith was tested. And the Bible speaks of the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. Your faith might be found unto the praise and glory of Jesus Christ. Your tenacity to continue is the evidence of God's existence. Because that faith in me was divine. It was implanted. It was a gift. It's from another world and it can't be squelched. Only you can forfeit that grace. Only you can. You can obtain it, but you can walk away from it. You can forfeit it and not walk in the power of it. So Paul was not exempted. If anything, Paul suffered incredibly and tremendously at the hands of men. As a matter of fact, from the beginning, uh, when God spoke to several people about Paul... He said, go and lay your hands on him. You'll find him in a street called Straight. He's blind. Lay your hands on him. And, and I, I've got, because he, he must suffer many things for my sake. When's the last time you heard that preached on television? That he must suffer many things for my name's sake. Paul could be in a room of uh, synagogue leaders who are debating the minutia of the law. And they would mock his Christ and his gospel. And he would pull off his tunic and pull off his shirt and said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And they were scars the length of the rope all up and down his body. How do you argue with the man that's been beaten within an inch of his life twice? One time he, they killed him with stones and left him for dead. And he went to heaven and saw things he could not utter. Came back to the earth. So when he says, none of these things move me, it eradicates our excuses. We are inconvenienced at best. So we got to get out of this melodramatic, it's a hard, hard way. Well, it is, but consider, consider. So when Paul said, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, and compare, you'll see a lot of this in today's message, compare this to modern day prophecy. The Holy Spirit revealed to me that in every city I'm supposed to come into, I'm going to get beaten up. And I'm going to be imprisoned, shackles, and uh, probably means nakedness, uh, attached to a limestone wall, not fed too well, forgotten about. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit told me. You hear today, taught through a lot of the NAR theology, which is heretical at best. Sorry. Uh, no, not really. Not sorry. Um, that when you prophesy to someone, it's always it's always supposed to be for their better, for their better. For their, well, exhortation is. But Paul, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, to himself, what was awaiting him. We preach today. Are you ready for your blessing? And my question is, are you able to walk through the cursing of this world? Are you, do you have within you a tenacity, a non, uh, a, uh, a, a refusal to quit, a perseverance that is known in heaven and in hell, that these things will not change my direction, they will not alter my 
uh, path. They will not hinder my pace. These things hurt me. They haunt me. They wound me. They uh, diminish me, but they will not move me. If overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. All right, if you're taking notes, you can write, none of these things move me, dot, 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 dot. Number one, how could Paul say that with integrity? Is Paul any different than you? We like to think so because that gives us an out. Don't we? Well, that was the Apostle Paul. He was a man just like you were. Elijah, a man just like you were. How could he say that this, none of these things move me? He would say, because I am God and God is mine. I am God's and God is mine. I'm his property and he is me. The Bible says in 1 John 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now we're the sons of God. And 2 Timothy 2.9 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knoweth those that are his. Paul's foundational experience of meeting the Lord Jesus and knowing that he was redeemed, and I'll get to this in a moment, his, he was called for God's purpose. He knew that in the end, when you boil all the soup down and everyone's done screaming, everyone's done talking, everyone's done imprisoning, when everyone is finished speaking, the foundation of God standeth sure, I belong to God Almighty. That, see, your tenacity can't be based on your will. Your will has to be based on the Word of God. I'm God's and God is mine. Better watch how you treat me. And I'm not pulling that preacher quote, touch not God's anointing. What that means is don't physically beat him up or kill him. As long as you don't beat me up or kill me, okay, you know. I got one better than being his pastor. I'm his son. So I have confidence in anything the world does against me. He's watching I got to defend myself. My father's watching. And he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You have to have an understanding that you are God's and that he is yours and nothing will ever change. So if a tide comes in, God's. If I'm living on the mountain, God's. In the valley, God's. Persecution, God's. Uh, being celebrated, God's, in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, better or for worse, I'm God's. And Paul knew this. Because see, if I'm the Lord's, then God is responsible for my care, my provision, my preservation, and my protection. Y'all are quiet, and this is good. If I am God's, then he is responsible. I don't say that in arrogance. I say that in the role of being a son. I am responsible to provide for Elisha and Isabel and Olivia according to my opportunity, giftings, ability. As long as I have breath, I am responsible based on my limitation to provide for them. And God has no limitation. Mm -hmm. He is responsible. To preserve me unto his glorious kingdom. He's responsible to feed me and take care of me. And whatsoever things I've committed unto him, my wife, my babies, he's going to keep them unto that day. Are you telling me you don't worry? I'm telling you I don't worry. Now, I'm flawed in many areas. I got this. Because if we being evil would die for our children, oh, he did. 
and got back up again and is seated at the right throne of the majesty on high. Today, I'm God's. Now this one I don't understand fully. I can only grasp it at the base level of intelligence that I have where it says that I am bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. In the new birth, somehow, I have his DNA or something like that. How else? Have you ever thought about this in the rapture? The people have been dead for thousands of years. Thousands of years. Their bodies decompose. And I'm not trying to be crass, but I'm, I'm trying to get you to see. So bugs have eaten them, and the bugs have excreted them, and more bugs have eaten them. The people that were blown apart in a nuclear explosion, ain't no pieces. The rapture is the recollecting of the components so that he can change those components into a glorified eternal body. Not only does he know who I am, he knows where every piece of me is. Everything I've lost, everything I've buried, everything that's been taken from me, my hope is built on nothing less that Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all other systems, all other religions, all other hopes are sinking sand. I am God's and God is mine. And some of you got the I am God's part, but you don't live like he is yours. He is there to be my comforter. He is there to be my protector. He's there to be my ruler and my king. He's there to be my defense. He's there to be my encourager. He's there to be my friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I am his and he is mine. And that cannot nor will not ever change. Number two. None of these things move me because my conversion and his call is ever before me. How could he ever deny his Damascus Road experience? He said, I was on the Damascus Road and a light shined from heaven and knocked me off my donkey. And I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew tongue. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecutest. Stand on your feet. And he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? His first encounter with God, that came out of his mouth. Lord, what would you have me to do? His salvation and his calling was ever before him. How could he ever forget? There was enough power in your conversion to propel you to your last dying day. Years ago, many years ago, C.C. Winans wrote a song called Alabaster Box. And that was one of the first Christian songs that left me in a puddle. I cried every day of my Christian life the first five years. But I mean, it just wrecked me because it echoed my heart when she said, you weren't there the day he found me. You weren't there. You don't know what it felt like when he wrapped his loving arms around me. You don't know the cost of my praise. You weren't there when he stepped into my hell and my perversion and my, and my rebellion and pulled me out 
and rescued me as a brand from the burning and, and, and put a robe of righteousness on me and a ring on my finger and shoes on my feet and put me clothed and in my right mind and bent me back from evil towards him and restored me. That alone, that memory alone pushes me and drives me that I would be not worthy, but to show my gratitude and affection for and remembrance of that day. July 6, 1986, when he rescued me. I didn't find God. He found me and bought me and paid for me. Do you remember yours? How can you let the, 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 the pressures of this world how, how, why would we let the pressures of this world that we might not be able to eliminate change the reality of that day? That day when you know your sins were washed away. No one had to tell you. I'm amazed that these people had to be told if they're saved or not. Am I saved? I said, probably not. I'm being honest. Do you remember yours? Was there any doubt? Was there any doubt that he gave light for darkness and life for death, that, that change should propel you to the last day. Number three, none of these things move me because I am secure in his love for me. Romans 8 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, and think of these words when I'm reading them, distress, persecution, Famine, which is lack, nakedness, peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Sometimes life looks like to the Christian, both in the physical realm, in the emotional realm, and the mental realm, that we are being cut to pieces, slaughtered. Our hopes, slaughtered. Our dreams, slaughtered. Our reputation, slaughtered. So what preserves, see, we're trying to create in this day and age through a false gospel that by believing a set groupings of things, we can exempt ourselves from the difficulty and pain of following Jesus up Calvary's hill. If you're following the Lord, you're going to follow in his path. So Paul is saying these things will happen. It's not, the goal is not to get your faith organized in such a way to repel those things. The goal is to have your faith so inbred and intertwined with the fabric of who you are that you can walk through those things with power and glory and persistence and commitment. He said, nay, in all these things we are more than a conqueror through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. There is no height. There is no depth. There's never been a creature that's ever been created that can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, again, I know these don't touch, but it's as close as I can get. I don't have the vocabulary to jump. I, I can't connect earthly with heavenly and many attributes. But I will tell you this. I know y'all think like you do that just to be dramatic or something. If I were to see a man grab up one of my little girls or take one in a bathroom and shut a door or something, 
with my hands, I would kill him. Oh, I just can't. Well, be, think what you want. It doesn't matter to me. The love I have for my little girls and my little boy, there would be such a protective rage inside of me. Not to harm, to protect. And I'm flawed and limited. And see, when we're going through these things, when I know that God's watching, he would not let me be hurt. See, we think temporal, he thinks eternal. And when I know that he loves me, it's kind of like the uh, man and woman that took their baby to three or four years of physical therapy and they just reset the bones in that baby's leg and the baby would just scream and scream and scream and the parent would watch in horror and see the child just begging them to stop with the therapy but they knew that if they stopped the child would never walk and if they kept going the child would eventually be able to walk as close to normal as possible. See, the Lord allows things to happen to us, not because he doesn't love us, but he's preparing us for eternity. And don't think that I would come to my little girl's defense quicker than God would come to defend me. If it was time to defend me, he would do it. God doesn't shut his books in the moment. There's going to be a reckoning. The blood of the martyrs, those that have been abused for his namesake. Everyone's going to give account for all of those things. And vengeance is God's. That's why he said, you ain't got to touch nobody. I got them. And when you know that God's love for you transcends time, eternity, events, and people. There's a part of you that just rests in saying, if this hurts me, it is not for my harm. Let me give you a physical example. The dentist hurts me. Mama, every time I go to the dentist, he hurts me. But he doesn't harm me. God works on us. And if you can remember what Wade was sharing, his love for me, he loves me. Nothing can separate me from him. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take up the wings of the morning, you're there. That's why I don't have to defend myself. That's why I don't have to go straighten out. Somebody said something on Facebook. Pastor, did you read it? I ain't studying those people. I'm not bothering those people. I ain't got time. And first of all, I'm way worse than the post. So I just think we're good. Leave it alone. <laughs> I'm being serious. I'll read something. Do you know somebody said that about you? I said, ooh, that ain't true. But I'm way worse than that. So just don't touch it. Just don't, just don't, don't bother. <laughs> Number four, because I have no reputation and nothing left to lose. He said, none of these things move me. Philippians 3, but what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. And without a doubt, I count all things but loss for the excellency and the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as dung that I might win Christ. Paul said, I make myself of no reputation. No reputation. And he said, and I own nothing. Listen, the idea of ownership is the primary reason for discontentment in the life of the believer. Paul said, I counted all things but loss for Jesus, 
for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Our problem is we start suffering the loss of all things before we've counted them as loss and we have a problem. If I go ahead and write off everything in my history, when he redeemed me, he bought it all. Then whatever I don't carry with me to the end, that's up to him and on him. Ownership. The idea of ownership in the life of the believer is at the crux of almost all discontentment. I own nothing. I'm a steward of everything he's given me. Number five, none of these things move me because of what I know. And this is critical. That's where it's imperative that you know the Lord thy God. You know him not only in your closet, but in his word. I know that he is sovereign in absolute control of everything at all times since time began. There is nothing outside of his control. There is nothing outside of his knowledge. Just this fact that before the earth was created, before there was an earth, he knew what, where you would be today, where you'd be sitting, and what you'd be wearing. Nothing escapes him. And some of us still haven't grasped this, and I've been preaching it for 25 years in this local assembly. That's why we don't believe it, and that's why we update him all the time in prayer. Lord, you ain't going to believe what happened this week. Sit down. It's gonna, you ain't going to believe it. And, we, and it's okay to share, but like, you should start off, you know. You know. I know God is sovereign. I know he upholds all things by the word of his power. If we changed one degree on our axis, we would either melt or freeze. And everything, the oceans, the tides, everything's upheld by the word of his power. I know that nothing eternal can ever be lost. I know, Romans 8, 18, that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. You didn't hear me? All things. Everything. Every tragedy. Every blessing. Every high mountain. Every deep valley. Every betrayal. Every wonderful friend. Every relationship. God doesn't waste a thread and he weaves it all together for good. I know. And I got a lot of bad threads. I got some bad threads. Ugly threads, personal failure threads, cruel threads. And he is weaving a tapestry for eternity that will bring great glory to him in my life. I know these things. I know that in Psalms 34 that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. I know in Proverbs 24 that a righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up again. That's one of the reasons we know that we are born from above. We keep coming out of stuff. We keep persevering. We keep making it, continuing, because our life is of God. I know that there hath not failed one word of all his good promises, 1 Kings 8.56. I know that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 62. And I know that even if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. Job 13, 15. None of these things move me because I have a correct 
biblical understanding of who I am and whose I am and who's responsible. And mine is just to walk the path. And, and, and if it leads to a cross and I seek the Lord, if there's any way to let this cup, let it pass, there has to be a nevertheless. Not my will, but thine be done. And I will make it home. If there is a tenacity and a commitment to make it home. The only reason a believer wouldn't make it home is if he chose not to. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the confidence of our faith steadfast unto the end. Number six. None of these things move me because I am divinely empowered. I'm going to preach just a minute here on the Holy Ghost. We don't say that no more. We don't say ghost. We say spirit. Holy Spirit. That's both okay. But since I'm preaching, I'm going to preach on the Holy Ghost. I'm not a changed life. I am an example of an exchanged life. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and lives in you. And it qualifies you. It quickens you, preparing you for every work. Ain't no energizer, bunny. You have the life, the breath of God in you. I house the Lord himself. The, the wind, the breath of God. I have been recreated. And, and, and the earnest of his spirit is in me. Christ lives in me. And he's the hope of my glory. Brooke, if you would come, please. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. He's the conqueror. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered sin. He conquered my flesh. He paid for it. And he just hangs the belt on my shoulder and says, you're more than a conqueror. He gives to me in his name and in his person all that I need. I'll tell you why I have confidence today that no matter what happens, no matter who walks out, no matter who I bury, no matter what they say, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I may not look like much. I might not act like much. You might not be impressed, but it ain't the shell that makes it, baby. It's the life of God in the shell that makes it. None of these things move me. Number seven. Oh, I don't know who this is for, but it's probably some of us older saints. Because I've come too far. How many of y'all been married longer than 30 years? You got, you got the, the, the old car deal going. You know, you got 350,000 miles on it. You go to get a trade-in. They said they'll give you $300. You go, I just keep what I got. I, I done gone paid too much it's not an exact fit but y'all know what I'm saying I'm not trying to sound like a victim just hear me too many years too many tears too much heartbreak and too much sorrow too many mountains too many valleys too many seas that I've crossed and storms that I've endured too many prayers prayed too many promises made 
too many tokens that have been given me and too many times I've seen his glory I've been rejected by too many abandoned by too many betrayed by too many and left behind by too many what they said and what they didn't say what they did and what they didn't do still haunt me in my sleep my hands are heavy my knees are worn out my face is weathered and my heart is bruised but I am not a martyr I am a traveler I may be a weary traveler but I am a traveler who has less and less in common with this world every passing day and I'm not interested in what it has to offer I'm going to Zion the beautiful city of Zion I'm on my way home No, if you're weary today, I just encourage you to adjust the rearview mirror and look how far you've come. Only a fool would turn back after all we've paid, after all we've went through. And finally, none of these things move me because heaven is one blink away. Pastor John, do you believe that? With every fiber of my being. Every fiber of my being. I'm surprised when I wake up in the morning. I believe Christ is at the door. I believe the trumpet is at the angel's mouth. I believe heaven is so close. What kind of man would receive the grace we've received? Jake, to God to have done all he's done for us. And in this last hour, right before the trumpet goes off, to roll over and lay down and quit. Baby, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I am ready for the return. Well, what about all these things? Yeah, they're happening, but this is yet to happen. And when this happens... These evaporate. When this happens, these evaporate. So lift up your eyes past all of these things unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help always has come from the Lord. Your help always will come from the Lord. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we'll be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written that death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Listen. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work in the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In Revelation twenty-two twelve, and behold, I come quickly. Jesus said, Revelation twenty-two twelve, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Don't throw your reward away. Isn't it, isn't it odd? And is there a greater tragedy in the church today than people that see 
their difficulty more clearly than they see Christ's reward. Yes, the difficulty. Got it, got it. But the reward. You know what I was thinking about this weekend? And when the chief shepherd shall appear, we will receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And if I've done my job, flawed and all, and y'all put up with me all these years, there will come a day when this fickle, unprofitable servant at best, he says, now John, this is a shepherd's crown. Come here. <laughs> I can hardly take it in. Come here. And it fits because I know what size you need it. Oh, you're just doing it for the crown. No, I'm doing it to see that look of his pleasure. You see? So, could you make a shift today from seeing these things less clearly and seeing the things to come as more clearly? There will be no sun there because the Lamb will be the light thereof. And there will be no sorrow, no crying, nor pain for the former things will be passed away and He's going to make all things new. Let heaven be brighter on your screen than the things here. The things here are, we're going against the current. But we can't be withstood. You're going to reap if you don't quit. That's how Paul could say None of these things move me. Would you stand with me this morning? In just a moment, I'm going to ask Brian to cue this one song and we're going to close. I want to give you a chance to worship here. Some of you, just you're wondering, do I have what it takes? The question is, does God have what it takes? You just have to be willing. How did Paul make it home? Listen, everyone listen. He said none of these things sang, none of these things moved me. How did he make it home? He decided to. And he relied upon the power of God. Press on, men, toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things that are behind, all the things, oh, there they are again, the things and pushing forward. Brian, would you cue that song for us, if you will, and give us a chance to worship. Thank you, bro. Not going back, I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you, my past is over in you. Well, things are made new, surrendered my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving forward. Freedom. 
Wait, if you'd come up, I'm going to ask you to close us in prayer in just a moment. It's time. I want to encourage you to do something. Whether it's in your prayer closet, I'm just asking you as an exercise. It's not a requirement. I want you to incorporate that phrase and say it. When you're going through your prayers or talking about the difficulties, I want you to hear yourself echo the Apostle Paul. None of these things move me. They're real. These things, they're multiple. Ain't changing my mind. I'm going on. I started my race with him, and I'm going to finish my race with him. Amen? Wade, would you pray over us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have poured out on your people, that we can stand strong, sure-footed, resilient in you because you do great things in us to move us forward in your ways. I pray over us this week as we go. Let us stand strong. Let us stand sure. God, invigorate us again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.